back here on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you. Here on Blaze Media, Blaze TV, radio, and podcast, I'm Steve Dace with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre for the next two hours, a special edition of the show. Something I I never thought we were ever going to do when I got into this business, which was critically, and, and not critical necessarily in opinion, but in logic, critically look at and therefore consider the presidential candidate of a Democrat. Just as we have done previously for Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, we have a baker's dozen questions for RFK Jr., which we will get to in a moment. Uh, first, I want to share with you, though, this, uh, this note I received from our good buddy Wayne at Tyga Coolers. And he sent me a note with a, uh, a picture of a customized Jacksonville Jaguars cooler from Tyga sitting in their facilities there with the Jags with this, with, with this caption. Looks like we may be on the sidelines of several teams this season. Tyga Coolers are headed to training camp. Now that's, that's awesome. That's pretty big time, man. That is pretty big time. So just can, a couple years ago, they were just a, a plucky, plucky little, upside. Yeah, there yes. it is. These plucky little outfit of American-made coolers trying to make their way Laverne and Shirley style. Now they're in freaking NFL training camps, right? And you, you know what? That could be you, too, if you advertise on the Steve Dace Show. Yeah, that's the Dace bump. Yes, you got the Dace bump. Seriously, they're outstanding coolers, well-deserved. They just needed the mind share to get the market share because it's a great product. And they can be customized uh, for uh, your family, for your company. They're outstanding. They make great gifts. American-made, lifetime warranty. Uh, TaigaCoolers.com is where you want to go. T-A-I-G-A tigacoolers.com and use the promo code Steve for a 10% discount at Tiger Coolers. T-A-I-G-A tigacoolers.com Okay, so we're going to spend the two hours, or not all, most of the two hours today discussing the merits or lack thereof of RFK Jr. as a presidential candidate. I want to, before we get there though, because we're doing something a little different and even considering him at this level anyway as a Democrat. Therefore, I want to consider him maybe a little differently than we did previously. I want to take this opening segment and have a conversation about why I'm even willing to do this. Because I do think it requires more of a disclaimer. I mean, when we have two individuals like Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, it was funny. Uh, a buddy of mine who went to the, uh, uh, the Lincoln event that uh, both Trump and DeSantis spoke at here in Iowa, and we put both their speeches on back-to-back on yesterday's show, uh, a buddy of mine who was there, he said something to me, he goes, I mean, because Tim Scott is polling much better in Iowa than he is nationally. He's polling about uh, almost to double digits or right around there in Iowa, and he's, you know, at like 2% nationally. And this buddy of mine who's very knowledgeable about Iowa politics, and he says, Tim Scott's polling is nothing other than he's the only candidate that's really speaking fluent evangelicalese right now. And I stopped and I thought to myself, you know what? That's Right. Just to show you how weird of a cycle this is. I mean, in in 2016, 62% of Iowa caucus voters on the Republican side were evangelicals. On a a down year, we are at least 40% of the Iowa caucus electorate. So we're anywhere from the largest plurality to a majority of the electorate, depending on the turnout. And yet, we haven't seen a lot of 
the kinds of specific messaging to Iowa evangelicals that we have seen in every single cycle. In fact, one of the things that one of the roles I've played in this process is demanding it. <laughs> and in this case, I haven't even thought about it. Why? Well, it's because we have this unique scenario where Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump have such clearly defined records and records on issues that evangelicals like me care about that the idea of this like meticulous vetting of their statements and, and their beliefs and how they, how they communicate them, I haven't even thought to do that in this cycle for the most part because we have deeds, right? By their, by their fruit, you will know them. Now, that, what, is, what does Jesus mean by that fruit? It, it absolutely can mean your words. Jesus has a lot to say about the words we speak and the way we communicate. But the ultimate fruit is when he says, why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? Right? That's the ultimate fruit. Did I say it was the only fruit? No. It's not the only fruit. So I don't want to say statements and ideas don't matter. But what you do with them is what matters the most. And with these two guys, on, on, you know, in Donald Trump's case, the largest stage on planet Earth, and in Ron DeSantis's case, the largest regional stage in the country, both of these guys have been tested. We have records. We, we know more about them than we've known about anybody else that's ever come to people like us and asked for our vote. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. At least certainly in my lifetime anyway, or my time as an activist. And so I didn't even think about, yeah, that's right. Really, Tim Scott's the only one speaking my, you know, my church language right now. And that just goes to show you how odd of a cycle this is. And the greatest oddity of all is despite the fact I am well aware I have numerous and fundamentally important policy differences with RFK Jr. I would consider voting for him before I'd consider voting for anybody else in the race other than Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. I mean, those are my clear number two, or top two, I should say. And if I had to, if you made me come up with a third, if I had to, gun to my head, you must come up with a three, right? It's win, place, or show. Someone else has got to be sitting there at the winner's circle. If you made me come up with a third, I'd put RFK Jr. there. Why? Because of something I, I tweeted about on Sunday, and I confessed something that came up at the, uh, the surprise birthday party that, that my wife threw for me. And... Two absolutely badass and awesome ladies flew up here at their own expense to be at that party. Sarah Gonzalez, our colleague here at The Blaze, and Dr. Molly James. And I sat down with them for a bit. We got to talking. Of course, politics is going to come up. And I I verbalized something to them that I've, I've had to admit to myself in recent days. So confession time. I'm having a hard time with this idea that we just now have to move on from COVID and hold no one accountable. Because to do so, in, let's just be honest, to do so inevitably drags Donald Trump into such a function because it's inevitable. He was the captain of the ship as it was going down at this time. The ship going down was not his fault. 
I wouldn't even put him at fault for many of the mistakes that he made. Because many of the mis- many of the mistakes he made, not all, but many of the mistakes he made, the other candidate that I am considering voting for in this race, Ron DeSantis, originally made them too. Now, when confronted with the reality that they were mistakes, he ended up actually becoming the captain of the ship trying to take down COVID stan. We could barely get Trump to even abandon that ship, let alone realize what it was and attack it, even to this very day. And so because there's no way for him not to get caught into the undertow, we have just essentially in, our, in my industry, and even people I adore, have, have abandoned all out any attempt for any accountability in this because the larger goal of I have to, I have to kiss Donald Trump's ass or be seen doing so for reasons, personal, professional, I don't know. I don't, can't, I don't know other people's hearts. But that, that's the prime directive and, and accountability on COVID gets in the way with that. And I'm having a hard time moving on from that. I'm having a hard time just forgetting three years of emails, notes, please, abandonment, bankruptcy, the loss of my non-essential business, myocarditis, sudden death, choking, poisoning, experimentation, job loss, court-martial, dishonorable discharge, Isolation, depression, substance abuse. We have a, on our show, we have a good friend. His name is Charles. Very successful businessman. He flew across the country in January. So when I went to Nashville in January to do the, um, the, the Poison Poke event for our buddy Jason Whitlock that RFK Jr. and I were two of the the stars of that event, for lack of a better description. And your senator, Ron Johnson, we flew him into. Um, I did a couple of, the, I did, I did the, the two of our first private screenings of Nefarious while we were there. And our buddy Charles flew across the country to come to that. Let me tell you how we got to know Charles. Charles was a Mitt Romney kind of Republican who thought, frankly, shows like ours were destructive and the reason Republicans didn't win election until COVID hit. And he had a buddy that had struggled with substance abuse and had finally found a Celebrate Recovery program to keep him on the narrow road after, you know, after AA. But the church that that was attached to closed down because of COVID. And he fell into that death spiral again and eventually took his own life. Charles is just trying to make sense of it all. Starts looking for media sources things to listen to to encourage him to say what's going on am I crazy what are we doing here and just what happens to stumble upon our show and reaches out to us with his story and that began a dialogue and our friendship with Charles that we have to this day and I've had that conversation with countless members of you in this audience and now I am being told because it is inconvenient to a lot of business models and a lot of other people's ambitions that I just have to effectively forget about all of this. That's the message from much of the right. We're just going to move on because it's not convenient. And I'm having a hard time processing that. I'm just telling you. And I think at times that anger 
I mean, I, the, the amount of emotion I, in, I ingested from all of your suffering, I, I'm a guy, I, I'm already emotionally immature. I don't even know what to even do with my own emotions, let alone all of yours. I mean, I, I, I was struggling with anxiety for the first time ever because I just, I couldn't process all that emotion. And so now this idea that we're just going to walk away from this because the New York Times Siena poll says that it's over. It's over on July 31st. Trump won. Six months before they vote in Iowa, it's over. From the same people that gave us the mask up your kids and uh, keep uh, taking uh, boosters. To trust them with the polling? You okay no, with that? I am not. No, you don't think their data is that good based Can't on past have. experience? No? Okay. But that that's kind of the message. And And I'm... I'm struggling with it. And this brings us to RFK Jr. Because to me, COVID is the biggest test of leadership that has occurred in this nation in my lifetime. That virus was the worst invasion of our homeland since Pearl Harbor. Our, our, our freedoms, let's face it, after 9-11 and after the mourning for those 3,000 lives was over, how much, other than now you will be groped at the TSA, and I'm not saying that's not a big deal as someone who flies more than ever, I ever have before. But other than that, what freedoms did you lose? Oh, they were just going to listen to your cell phones even more than they were already going to listen to them. You see what I'm saying? I mean, how much did a daily American life change because the hijackers flew those planes into towers? Not much. Unless you were a military family, then it changed a lot, right? Mm -hmm. But if you weren't a military family, how much did the average American life elsewhere change? Not much. But when COVID invaded, everybody's lives changed, right? Yes. Yeah. And there was no... There was no promise of when it would change back. No guardrails, no parameters. I mean, our own governor, whom we all love, Kim Reynolds, she made, not, not, as, not that many, but she did make some of the same mistakes that Trump made, if we're being really honest. But here's the thing. When we would have a mask mandate, it always had an end date. Came with an end date every time, and then we'll examine the data. We'll see if it works. If it doesn't work, we're not doing it. If it does, then we're going to keep doing it. And, that, and you know what? That's all I could ask for. In a, in a diverse, plural, pluralistic society where a lot of people have a lot of different beliefs about, any, about everything and you're trying to manage a public safety situation in real time and you're not sure who's telling the truth and what data is real, can we at least have benchmarks where we're going to honestly then assess, does the data justify continuing these things? And so we'd have like a mask mandate for a month or two and then the data would come in shows that didn't make a difference. We'd get rid of them. If there's anything Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has done in this race, or in the, uh, it, is, it is represented sober-minded, lion-hearted leadership on this crisis. Up against his own party, up against his own family, up against his own interests. And that is a reflection of what he's been about for decades in the quote-unquote anti-vax movement, or whatever you guys want to call yourselves now, Todd, if you want to rebrand. And so, because of that, 
and because I spent a full day with him in January in Nashville. I spent a lot of time with him privately. I got to size him up. Is this guy for real? On this, he is. I am 100% confident of it. And so therefore, I am willing, without changing my positions on any of the other things we're going to disagree on, and that will probably be reflected in the conversation we will have the next 90 minutes, all right? But with this preamble, I want to state, I'm willing to even consider this, because I think it would be hypocritical of me not to. If I'm going to say everything I've just said about the existential stakes that COVID was played for, that the future of, of, of the West was literally on the line. And one guy has stood in that gap for years before I even knew these kinds of things were even going on underneath the surface. I didn't even pay attention to this stuff until it all just manifested on my shores one day on March 16th. I think it would be hypocritical of me to not give him that consideration. Doesn't mean he will pass the exam we're about to have with flying colors. But I think he has earned the right to be respectfully and honestly considered. Because of the leadership he has shown on what I believe is the greatest test of leadership in my lifetime. Let's discuss that for a few minutes. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I actually think the, I mean, again, we, I, I'm used to sharing this tribe uh, or this, this world with strange bedfellows, not only on this issue, but uh, home birthing things of that nature it, it's it's always been very interesting and people uh putting aside many many differences for one very important and fundamental uh commonality and as i said uh when we were talking about the summit i think the family leader summit and the fact that uh he uh kennedy had been invited to that it, i said it actually i i think that actually speaks to steve's point in my estimation about how how real he is about this issue. It's so important to them. He absolutely doesn't want to come to a family later issue, which is fundamentally not about that specific issue. We know what the family leader is about, broadly speaking. And he doesn't want to be viewed as a carnival barker, as not to be taken seriously about this. And I think he thinks, you know, if he tries to come in as a Democrat, trying to convince and, and under that spotlight... Uh, that he's your guy. I don't think he he wants to risk that uh, being taken as unserious on that level because he's not. No, most Republicans are not going to give him a shot. Are not going to vote for him. But these this issue, and I think the second issue would be the um, the deep state, FBI, things like that. They're so important to him. He believes in them so much. He's making it clear. I, I'm. I'm going to do the same thing as Steve is doing. I'm never going to pretend that we agree on everything. I'm not even going to try to lie to you about that. So, yeah, I, I, I think, and I'd tell you, I'd absolutely tell you if I thought uh, Steve uh, uh, was being uh, disingenuous in this. This is not for rhetorical flourish. He's, of course, on the table for us. For me, of course he is. This was important to me before COVID came along. Uh, and I hope we can do justice to that further in the next uh uh, hour and a half of the, of the show uh, by asking serious questions and expecting serious answers. I largely share the assessments that you two just laid out. I would also add this. The, part of the uh, 
um, I wouldn't say allure, but um, part of my calculation with this is much like Tulsi Gabbard, who had much less name cachet, as did um, as does RFK Jr. He largely, in the rest of his message, largely bucks the identity politics game. Yep. And instead focuses on a very populist message, which is reviving the middle class, or at least rescuing the middle class of this country. I appreciate that, and I, I respect that. If for no other reason, it is, a, it, it is a confrontation about what the Democrat Party, which is largely, if not completely, a demonic cons- construct as we sit here today, it bucks the foundations of that construct. And I appreciate that about him as well, beyond where he is with getting rid of of agencies and reining in and and busting up CDC, FDA, those types of things. I appreciate that his message, his messaging is is not built on identity politics. Correct. And, well, Stevie's pro-abortion. I think everybody, with all due respect, I don't think I have to match my pro-life credentials either in terms of personal testimony and level of activism, I don't think, I, I think I'm going to stack up pretty well with just about anybody else. But here's the thing. Do we only care about, is, is, does pro-life only ap- apply to people who are born? Or, are, I'm sorry, are pre-born? They, they, it doesn't apply to the people that are born? That's not a pro-life issue? I mean, if you died suddenly at 45... When you were perfectly healthy? Or hell, you're one of these athletes. You're dying suddenly at 25. Perfectly healthy? Your life is... That's not a... In fact, let's have that conversation now. It, I think the pro-life issue has to be expanded to what we're good about to this. And to me, the only reason we wouldn't is because by keeping it exclusively applied to the abortion issue, it doesn't deviate from any partisan political paradigm. You see what I'm saying? Everybody knows Republicans claim to be pro-life. Everybody knows Democrats claim to be for kill them all. If you, if you truly start to value life being innocently taken by government outside the womb, well, then you start intersecting with people's partisan political paradigms. And that makes people uncomfortable. And I get that because it's been used sometimes to say, well, that's why we need to have massive welfare states where we tithe with other people's money because it's pro-life. Right? I, I understand doing this has led to scams. Uh, that's why we need open borders because it's not fair that the family of 27 from Honduras can't come here and claim your land on squatter rights because of your white privilege. I, I understand that. I, I understand that. Well, then what kind of... But then... Where else would the issue of human experimentation and died suddenly, where else would that go? Because here's the thing. If your church doesn't want to adopt the spirit of the ages interpretation of pro-life, if it didn't want to do that for the last 30 years, they didn't try to shut your church down. But if your church challenged them on medical supremacy and biomedical tyranny, it absolutely did. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's why I'm inclined to think 
looking at the way the enemy responds when we do this, that he is not friendly to it at all, that it absolutely belongs in this conversation. Thoughts? I'm just, I'm pro-reality. That was always a life, is always a life in the room, a human life. The, the, uh, the vaccination regime has always been a scam. It does not work as suggested. That's been borne out even further with COVID. It's, uh, it, so even like the my body, my choice and riffing on, on that, beyond, it, it, the reality is it, it just is not magic. And it's billed as magic. It's more magical the magical power of actually we we're so far we never tried speaking of things that haven't been tried steve that that's never really been tried with the uh i mean there's been various lies but on some level even with winking and when we, you can't get you're, you're ending something mm-hmm. all right what what what's what what part in the process you're doing that is it really a bad thing should it be rare but but there's there's always been an there it the the magic is just as dark on this issue. It's just as dark. And it it doesn't... Because it comes from the same source. Yes, the, 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 the people that say we can experiment on you are the same people that say we can create a vagina out of your son's colon. And That's a real can, story, by the way. That is a real story, yes. And that we can murder yeah. your son for you before he's ever born. They're all the, it's all the same people from all the same uh, ultimate source. Yeah. So obviously every abortion ends in death, which is the real, and that's not true with vaccination, whether it be COVID uh, or otherwise. But it's important to go beyond that. This the, the the devil is first and foremost fundamentally a liar, and the lies are just as big on this one, and they have always been. Aaron, again, my calculation with him. This is the gamble or the risk if you are in. You know, if you are sympathetic with how we are portraying and the reasons we are portraying RFK Jr. or somewhere in between, does his disdain for this system outweigh whatever whatever his um, conviction is on the other life issue, unborn life? If it does, if you think it does, I. Th- I think you could. I don't know if it's good, but I think you could justify supporting him. And again, we're all dealing with hypotheticals here. What if it was a third party? If it was Donald Trump versus, uh, you know, uh, Joe Biden and you've got a third one here? Well, I don't know if you could justify voting for RFK Jr. in that. But if it's one-on-one or 1v1, RFK Jr. versus, uh, you know, uh, Joe Biden, if you have the opportunity to caucus or primary as a Democrat, then, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that math is pretty, pretty simple. And Todd is absolutely right. You, you don't have to draw too many lines between murdering an unborn baby and experimentation on on vast populations. There's not very many lines to be drawn there. Mm hmm that you don't have to draw uh, in between those two, two, two things. So that's where I'm at. That, uh, the life issue, the unborn life issue, has been my big bugaboo with totally getting on board with uh, RFK Jr., at least on the Democrat side. But 
at the same time, I, I think I think you have to look at the life issue uh, more holistically. And I would add this, by the way. RFK Jr., Donald Trump, and Ron DeSantis. From what I've heard, all share the same view on the life issue legislatively. Now, they come at it from Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, very, very adamantly pro-life, that they would sign pro-life legislation, but all three of them believe that this is a state's rights issue. So I think that's important to, to factor in. That's an important distinction. In fact, I think Susan B. Anthony has criticized both Trump and DeSantis for that position, I believe. Correct. Yeah, so I think that that's an important distinction. I, I just think the people who lost their loved ones to COVID, not because of the virus, but because of the witch doctor policies, and the, the, that loss of innocent life is every bit as valuable as the baby with the heartbeat in the mother's womb. Every bit. Now, I don't, I don't know what the calculus is. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't know what the calculus is. You know, does the guy who overturned Roe but thinks his, his, his deadly experimental jab saved 100 million lives when nothing could be further from the truth? How does that math add up where Robert F. Kennedy's like, yeah, I mean, I'm fine with abortion. On the other hand, I'm not fine with you killing it, killing a person, you know, with an mRNA vaccine. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to sit here and claim today to know. I'm just going to suggest that maybe it's a conversation Given the events of the last few years, we ought to at least begin to half. So we will next. The Steve Day Show. All right, back here looking at the candidacy of RFK Jr. with a baker's dozen questions for him supplied by a member of our audience, just as we did earlier this year for both Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. Before we get there, don't forget about our friends at Eden Pure. Their outstanding thunderstorm air purifiers have been a a major hit with our audience since they came on board. They've sold over 350,000 units, thousands of five-star reviews because it's more than an air freshener. In fact, that's not even what it is. It's an air purifier with no costly filters that you'll have to replace either out of your own pocket or out of your own time. And right now you can get all three that uh, they come in, in three packs, get rid of the strong odors in your home from cooking to cigarette smoke, litter boxes, trash cans, even that mildew stain that st- smell that sticks around in the basement. That goes to, if you get the whole home protection, the three pack for under 200 bucks plus free shipping under 200 bucks plus free shipping when you go to edenpuredeals.com and use the discount code steve edenpuredeals.com discount code steve all right let's begin and these questions come from rick amerson and we're going to take these in the order that he provided them and we're going to do these like now we'll proceed as we did with trump and desantis We will both consider the question's fairness. Is the question itself a fair question? And then how do we think he would answer? And then ultimately what we think that answer, what we think that of of that answer itself. All right. Rick starts with border security. What would you do to secure the border? Would you put Kamala Harris in charge? How many people coming into the country illegally is acceptable? How much fentanyl coming into the country is acceptable? 
First and foremost, gentlemen, are these questions fair game and how they are constructed? Mm, I, I mean, I think for the most part, yeah. I mean, you're asking an obvious leading question if you're saying, would you put Kamala Harris uh, in charge? But I, I don't think anything is instantly objectionable, Aaron. Didn't quite... How much fentanyl is is acceptable? Yes. I, I don't know. That's that's kind of that's not really a fair question in my mind. Why? Um, because I think his answer would be none. This is presupposing that he is supportive of fentanyl coming into the country. I, maybe it's just a maybe just a, it's a. Remember when I used to ask Republicans? Semantic. Remember when I used to ask Republicans? How many lives are you allowed, babies are you allowed to kill and still be pro-life? Yeah. With their exceptions, you know what I'm saying? So, okay, so this is a semantic thing. Y- yes, yeah. Okay, well, in that Maybe, case, I don't know, I'm just guessing that's it, what it if is. That's, okay. If that's the device that he's using, yeah, then that's a fair question, and then he wouldn't have the opportunity to squash that if mm-hmm. it's unfair. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it's pretty obvious he would not put Kamala Harris in charge of the border. I don't think we even have to discuss or debate his answer there, and... In fact, he would look at this question as a hanging curveball that he would gladly mm-hmm. yes. hit over the fence. The other questions, though, I do find interesting. How would you secure the border? Remember, he's been there. Yeah. And, and he was documenting and itemizing for us people from countries not on this continent coming through Mexico to get into America, right? Mm-hmm. So we know he's aware of it. So how would he secure the border? What's the acceptable amount of illegal aliens coming in and therefore what's the acceptable amount of opioids or deadly fentanyl coming in. I, I think those questions, how he would answer them as a Democrat would be fascinating. What would he say? Do you think? Well, I think he would probably give an answer that your average chamber of commerce person probably wouldn't have any uh, real problem with. I, I listen, the can the Kennedys going uh, all the way back on, uh, you know, tax cuts, uh, defense, things of that nature. You know, there, there is a branch of pragmatism uh, there that is very, very accessible within his bloodlines. So do I think it, it's going to look something like I, we've heard before in terms of... Uh, Worker permits and things like that. I mean, if if you're asked about uh, uh, anchor babies or things of that nature, I don't think he's going to be uh, radical and give us uh, the answer we'd really like to hear. I think he's going to give, we've always been a nation of immigrants. He's going to speak in uh, flowery language, but uh, also, you know, give his little riff on his uncle Ask what you uh, can do for your country as well. You know, why are you coming here? We're one common people. So I think he's going to write a poem for you, and I think it's going to sound like a very familiar poem, but I don't think it's going to be open borders. And I think he made a point of going down to the border and videotaping himself the way he did to make that abundantly clear. Aaron? Here's what I hope he would say, because his big message when he was at the border is that this is a humanitarian crisis that we have created. Therefore, we have to send the message to those who are coming from different hemispheres, both northern, southern, eastern, western hemispheres, that no, once you get here, we will not let you in. 
Because he was standing in front of a line, a long line of people, as you just discussed. So that's the answer. That's the, the answer I hope he would give. Now, what he would actually give, I think, would depend on the venue that he's giving that answer in. If it's to a group of rabid Democrats, he would answer something like, like uh, Todd just said, which is, you know, nation of immigrants, something along those lines. But I think that, that would def- d- depend on the venue that he's in. Are you saying he would tailor his policies to that group or tailor the, the message answer, to that group? The message. The message. Okay. Do you think Robert F. Kennedy Jr. thinks we need to complete Trump's wall? No. Specifically, maybe not. But I think he needs, I think he believes we need to be grown-ups. Whether, you know, people, drones, you know, the multiple and the multiple ways we can go at this um but i think even if he does believe that a wall would be the most effective way building the wall has become so trumpian mm-hmm. and being so trumpian is being largely viewed as almost certainly to lose in a general election i don't know how much he feels he what like what, what am i getting by going all the way to the mattresses on that when i can possibly do enough on this issue to sound sane let me ask one more question on this issue from a unique angle and this is maybe where we can take advantage of of discussing this with a non-insane or non-communist democrat because now we are we can kind of almost have creative permission to get outside of our own paradigm Mm -hmm. and we're and and now it's almost like we're in a conference committee of another era with people who may just disagree with us but we're not we're both sane, and, and neither one of us hates the country. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And so now, we're, now this is where true give and take happens, okay? Now, I happen to believe there's no way we can stop the, immigra- the, the, the illegal immigration crisis without both building a wall and denying benefits to everybody that comes to the country illegally. Because one deals with your capability of why you would come to the country, and the other deals with the availability of why you would illegal come, mm-hmm. illegally come to the country. That's both supply and demand. Yeah. Okay. And so that's assuming I could I couldn't even get a, I couldn't even get an RFK Jr. Democrat to agree with me on those two points because if he would he'd probably be a Republican, right? Okay, mm-hmm. fair. All right. So then I say to him, then you have to give me one. If we're not going to deal with supply and demand, mm-hmm. we got to deal with supply or demand. I'll even let you choose. Okay, and he's probably not going to be aggressively sending them back. So, exactly, exactly. Right. That's that's why we have to do number two. Right. Okay, because we're not going to be aggressively sending them back. By the way, I don't think any Republicans are either. No, no. Okay, so let's just be honest about that. I said that. you're going to have heard okay. this message before. Yes, yes. yeah. All right. So, uh, so therefore, we have to we we before we even consider what to do with the people already here, especially those that have been here for decades, we have to turn the spigot off now, in my view. All right. So I sit down with RFK Jr. and say, okay, you've got to give me one of the two. I, I understand you're a Democrat. I get it. I think you're wrong. That's why I'm a Republican in this case, and because I, I think we have to do both or it won't work. But you've at least got to give me two, one of the two. So you choose. You tell me what fits better your worldview, and I'll make it work into mine. That we build and construct and finish a wall that is an abs- a physical, literal impediment to enter the country. Or we don't do that. Because you're concerned about the symbolism of it, fine. 
then we shut down all the available in, uh, uh, in welfare state incentives for why masses of people would come here and risk their lives to come here illegally anyway. But you have to give me one of them. And if you don't give me one of them, then for all the videos you did at the border and everything else you said that I liked, you're just not serious about this. Because we have to attack, I think we got to attack the supply and demand, but we have to attack the supply or the demand. One of the two, I'll let you choose. You tell me which one it is. Well, and I think the surest way to get him to pick either one is to convince him what I think the three of us in this room believe to be true on some level, is that along with the Democratic voter drive, there there is a deep state, i.e. CIA, FBI level push to create unrest that, that they can use to further manipulate uh, the public push certain policy, press certain media buttons, because obviously, if you can press that button in Kennedy, you've pushed a button that he will act on. I mean, it, it has killed his father. It has killed his uncle. You, you, conv- you, you want to get somewhere on this issue, like a lot of issues, convince him that there is CIA subterfuge going on. And I think we all believe there is. OK, that's yeah. an interesting point. Go ahead, Aaron. No, I would agree with that. And I, I think when it uh, when it comes to this particular issue maybe maybe as much if not more than what we just talked about with a holistic view of of uh of life you know it's difficult and you hear the hesitation maybe in my answers a little bit it's difficult because i still know he's a democrat and he disagrees with us on a worldview level on a lot of things and trying to uh form a congruent worldview out of somebody's worldview i'm not sure is completely congruent (laughs) it's kind of a difficult difficult task all right next issue this one i think we we assume he'll he'll pass with flying colors corruption in elections rick's suggested questions what would you do about election fraud did the russians help trump steal the 2016 election as hillary claims was biden corruption covered up by the fbi and 55 co-signers in 2020 tipping the election result to biden as trump claims was your uncle jack's election in 1960 clean what do you think of the Electoral College? Are these fair questions? Yeah, they're fair. And I think I agree. I think he would pass with, with flying uh, colors. I think he would. Uh, didn't he? Wasn't he some sort of uh, green uh, prosecutor? Environmental, a, envi- environmental attorney. Yeah, I yeah. think he would pivot to that and say, hey, if there are violations to, um, you know, trying to influence elections, you know, I know a thing or two about prosecuting, uh, you know, I, w- I would direct my attorney general to look into those. I don't think he would say that the, uh, that the Russians helped in 2016. I do think for sure he would say... I've heard him refer to Russian collusion as a lie. I have heard him say that before. I'm sure that he would say that the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop from hell I am too. influenced yep. the 2020 election. So I think for most of these, he would pass with flying colors. What do you think? Well, the answer would sound very similar to what you just heard. I think it was last week, if not the week before, when he uh, went to the uh, uh, the House commission on deep state nonsense or whatever it's called yep and the weaponization the, committee the weaponization committee and the first order of businesses they tried the to, weaponization committee yeah. that it appears republicans will never yes. actually weaponize no, but no. yes and then they tried to instantly gag him uh and 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 uh, the democrats did and then say that he was too dangerous to speak and then he gave a fantastic speech about who we are supposed to be to one each other as citizens and ideas and basically he gave a answer about the importance of the socratic dialogue and making ideas better by robust debate he would he would give the 
the election version of that. Like it's, and this is why I think this is a good question that this guy asked it from both sides. Trump's, you know, two two different elections, uh, two different sides making accusations like this. Forget, as you said uh, uh, yesterday, Steve, uh, uh, to forget uh, the actual personalities involved. This thing called America, unless we have faith in our elections, it cannot stand. And I think that's what he would say. Yeah, I think he would take this question and shine. I'm not sure what he would say about did your Uncle Jack win an honest election in 1960. I don't know. Um, But the rest of it, I think he would take this part. And I think he would shine here. I think he would use this to differentiate himself from the holistically from the the, the existing political paradigm, and um, and try to and, and use himself as a symbol for a middle way, returning to some form of social compact and sanity. He's he's very good at giving aspirational answers. That's a great way of putting it. You just said better what I just said. Yeah, he, but- that's what he would use this to do. Yeah. And and we're so used to constant and, and listen, I want when the time is right, and there's many times that are right these days to say that's a black hole. That person is uh, darkness personified. Yeah, but you you also have to light candles. He's pretty darn good at lighting candles, uh, just like uh, his uh, uncle uh, and his father would. And just as all the great statesmen, they make them like, yeah, damn right, we're Americans. He does. This is why he's, people are crossing the aisle. We so many people have lost that buzz that you get. Steve, you talked about it. Uh, you know, <laughs> in, in a fun, raw, uh, the '80s, uh, where America bit sense. But yeah, we want to feel that in our heart. We absolutely want to feel it, and he's pretty good at it. Aaron, as a real quick, you represent a different generation. Do you have that yearning in your heart, or was it just never there in the first place? I had it for a while, um, and I, st- I, still, I still do when it's presented, but just in a vacuum, not, not like I had when it's I was It's theoretical a child. to you, not yeah, personal. Yeah. Like, you're like, it'd be nice if that, if that it'd existed. It'd be nice, thank you. Yeah. Where for us, we would be the last generation that would be nostalgic mm-hmm. about it. Like, we were born into this, and then we saw it ripped away as we got older, but we're old enough to remember what it was that it was well, once like that. It's right? so powerful. It actually kept guys like us uh, a little dumb on some levels for a while. You know, we that's we were, naive. Yeah, yeah, we were coasting on fumes. We were thinking how I mean, look, we talk. We were comfortable. I'll be the first to admit I, it. I will too. I mean, I and I because I understood it. it I didn't want to believe that this had become a zero sum game because I didn't understand what zero sum game means. But because I do. That's why. Well, and Aaron, Aaron has, during COVID, you personified what we're talking about in terms of how you even assume, like, we had different days where we were that guy, the three of us, but like where we thought, oh, well, common sense has to kick in right now, Mm -hmm. right? Like the rubber band has to bounce back finally. Right, right. It does, and it didn't. And we're looking at each other like, wow, I guess this is, this is how uh, countries This is how we roll now. Okay. So we're two questions down, 11 questions to go. Considering RFK Jr. as a presidential candidate. And we'll continue that consideration with Hour 2 in a moment.
All right, back here with Hour 2 here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. D-E-A-C-E, like us on Facebook, me, we, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show, Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. Find me on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. Real Steve, not Steve. Real Steve Dace there. Thank you to all of you that have sent us those five-star reviews on your podcast platform. Keep those coming. We appreciate them all. You can also uh, hit subscribe or follow to make sure each new episode gets downloaded instantly into your feed. Thank you to all of you that have done that as well. I haven't announced this yet. I have a bonus question. We're doing this conversation for RFK Jr. today, like we did for DeSantis and Trump. I have a bonus question for RFK Jr. that we are going to discuss in the overtime. Mm. It's a very sensitive topic. But it is something that came up here in the last week that I think should be addressed. Mm. We will do that in the overtime. But, But for now, let us continue discussing the questions from Rick Amerson. We've discussed his questions on border security and corruption in elections. We thought the questions were fair so far. Let's get to question number three, the Supreme Court. What is the purpose of the court? What criteria will you use in judicial selections? Which justices, past and present, do you most or least respect their judgment? Is it a good idea to publish a list of SCOTUS nominees to draw from, as Trump did, would you pack the court, as Democrats have threatened? First of all, fair game or no? Very fair. Yeah. I agree. But tell us why you think it's fair. Well, this, this one was the least leading in terms of having kind of specific snarky uh, uh, examples. But again, I, I think it, listen, his... his Father, the the civil rights movement, the you know the real civil rights movement, not the fake one we're having now. He would give a very uh, aspirational answer. I think a lot of us, uh, the messaging on uh, the side of the right, has parsed the terms uh, equity versus equality and what they mean under law, and I think. You would get that from him. Again, his, it's in his blood. His uncle gave, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Mm-hmm. It, it was about our duties as a citizen to one another and the government uh, that allow, that you know calls forth the better angels of our nature, natures by believing that we are truly uh, equal under the law. I, I keep, there's a proof of concept to me uh, on this, I, he he might give you some names. He is a lawyer, so maybe he'd go into some details on that. But that speech last week about what he did uh, about uh, everybody having a voice, it would be, you would basically be able to do categories and take out the particular topic and that would it was speech, and this it would be equality under the law. But mm-hmm. it would about mm-hmm. it would basic it would be poet it would be more poetry than prose, I think. I love the the aspirational thing because it is native tongue to the Kennedy brand, yeah. for sure. He he was born into it. I mean, his his uncle essentially trailblazed the idea of aspirational political messaging in the twentieth mm-hmm. century. That that was that's the JFK brand incarnate. Okay, uh, and everything else is a, is a, is you know complementary of that. And of course, his father, when he ran, 
tried to pick up on that in his own way as well. So and, I, I do think that that's a very astute observation you made last hour. And, and America, America and Americans loved it so much that it was the thing. You, people have a hard time imagining now, even though there's still only been two, but the you know vo- voting for that first Catholic president, mm-hmm. that was a huge deal back then. Sure it was. And it took that level of uplift that you mm-hmm. just talked about to do it. Aaron? So I think these are fair questions. I think on the packing the court question, I, I think he would probably say no. I think along the lines of what Todd was saying in a, in a poetry or a poetic type of way, he would, he would probably give the answer any Democrat from 40 or 50 years ago would have given, maybe fused together with the original intent of the court. And I think his main thrust would be something along the lines of, you know, um, Tommy in Missouri or Johnny in rural Maine shouldn't be worried about who the next Supreme Court justice nominee is. Here, here. De-emphasize the importance of the court by putting it back where legislation really should be made and codified back in the legislature. I could even see him, depending on who asked the question, I could see him say, Frankly, I had a lot of respect for Justice Scalia. I didn't agree with a lot of his a lot of his decisions. But I know that at times he also rendered decisions that he himself didn't agree with because he was consistent in his judicial philosophy. Um, and now that Scalia has passed away, he, of course, has, you know, re- he's, he's obtained a different level of appreciation than when he could actively hurt the left every single day on the court. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I could I could even foresee him saying something like that. Um, where I think things would get fascinating is if you started asking him, well, would you have appointed Clarence Thomas? Would you have appointed Amy Coney Barrett? Would you have appointed uh, Sonia Sotomayor? Would you have have appointed, who's the gal that just got appointed by Biden that doesn't know what a woman is? You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If we got into, would you have appointed these people specifically and then gotten answers? I think that's where things could get very, it's Judge Jackson, that's who I was thinking of, right? That's where I think things could get very, very interesting. Fair? That's where yeah. I think yeah. yeah, the devil gets in the details at that moment. Okay. Um, question four, race. Do you support requiring critical race theory to be taught in schools? Would you agree that, quote, if you didn't vote for Biden, you ain't black? Biden selected Kamala Harris and Ketanji Jackson based on their sex and race. What criteria would you use to appoint people in your administration? Should the Supreme Court have struck down governmental racial preferences, which he recently said no, he didn't agree with that decision, by the way. Um, How will the Democrat Party survive absent racism? That's an interesting question. And do you speak jive? Okay, those last two questions are (laughs) out of bounds, obviously. All right. Funny! Not saying that That I'm funny. That was him, it wasn't you. Yeah, no, no, I did not ad-lib that, no. So funny, but, but not fair. The rest of this substance, fair or not? Yeah, I think it's I think it's fair. Um, I, I think I think RFK Jr. When it comes to education, I don't think he would shy away from confronting uh, slavery, and he might even do some virtue signaling on that. But I think his answer would be: I don't think he would actually answer the question about critical racist theory. I think he would just say, "Hey, our nation's entire history must be taught." Uh, I do think if you really nailed him down on it, I think he would probably. He would probably um, 
uh, slap around CRT a little bit, but I think that's what his answer would be. He would not, he would not maybe answer the question that we would like him to answer, but I think he would, uh, I think he would say, hey, uh, warts and all, our history needs to be taught. Steve, I remember one of the very first times you brought up Kennedy, you you somehow phrased this as if 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 nothing else, it seems like he's got the ability and it would just be a win in of itself to like set the Democratic Party back to like circa 1985 or something like that. And I keep in these aspirational tones instead of the the darkness that they set on every single issue and certainly set now on race. Wouldn't the default answer been again? I've been talking about his dad and his uncle. He would have gone total Martin Luther King Jr. on this in 1985. We would have been talking about not by the color of your skin, but Mm -hmm. by the content of your character. Mm -hmm. So I can't help... Uh, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong about all of this. But it, it does seem like that's he would do what your instinct uh, was back then to say. It just seems like he's a man from a different time in this Bam, party. You just said it. I think what we call RFK Jr. being red pilled is that is really that he hasn't been black pilled, and I think that's going to be a reoccurrent yeah. theme this entire hour with these questions. Yeah. And it, it, he represents a period of time that used to exist where people just thought, let me rephrase, where, where both sides had argued aspirationally. Ask not what you can do for your country, but what you're, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. The great society. Um, putting people first, thousand points of light, morning in America again. I mean, the the debates used to be aspirational. I mean, I, I was I, I I was sitting with one of the one with one of the founding fathers of the conservative movement, and uh, recently, and, and Richard reminded me. I, he said, "I've been involved in every." single presidential election since 1960 and they've all been decided by the same issue the future whoever spoke better to the future won that's aspirational language mm-hmm. make america great again is aspirational yeah. language a contract with america is aspirational language and so whoever articulated the better that's why it was so hard for mccain to beat obama on as aspirational as as, as i suffered five years in the hanoi hilton for you that is that and that's incredibly aspirational it is not as aspirational as i represent your chance to to to, to achieve atonement for your greatest national sin you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. so duty and honor matter they don't matter. I shouldn't have to explain this to a Catholic, obviously. Duty and honor matter. They don't matter to people as much as absolution and, f- and forgiveness do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that, there's a different level of, of they're on a different uh, you know, plane there. And so it's only been in recent years that we've, and really even since Trump became president, because he ran aspirationally too on make America great again. It's only been just, in fact, these last few years that we've just given up on aspirational language altogether. And so what this used to be for the longest period of time is both sides argued aspirationally. One side tend to, tended to argue aspirationally by prop, with using the properly applied levers and forces of government. And the other by freeing up the natural God-given potential and ability of individuals. And that was the great argument. 
and they kind of went left of center, right of center. If people thought the problems were too far beyond the scope of, of individuals, they voted for the government aspiration. And if they thought the government aspiration went too far, they voted for the individual aspiration. And by and large, this was the argument of the 20th century, right? Yeah. And this is how it went. And so I think we think RFK Jr. has been red-pilled because he just represents it, what you just said. He's a man out of time. These are all very left-wing answers in many cases. They're just, they're just actual left-wing answers. What we call left-wing today is no wing. It's nowhere. It's a dead wing. It's a dead thing. It's demonic. What he, what he actually is representing a left-wing viewpoint. The stuff RFK Jr. is saying right now, guys... Want me to blow your mind? I'm going to do it. The stuff RFK Jr. is saying right now, this is the stuff guys like James Wood said in 1985 and 1995 and 2005. Back when he had a ponytail and he's playing left-wing attorneys and civil libertarians and, and winning awards playing these guys in movies. This is the stuff guys like James Wood said in 1985, 95, and 2005. And then by the time we get to 2015, they realize, oh crap, I'm aligned. We're the baddies. I'm aligned with the baddies. You know what I'm saying? They don't believe in this aspirational language. They hate this country. Yes, I think it. I think I'm gonna I'm, I think I'm trying to save it. Now we all may disagree with their solutions, okay? But they're at least trying to save something. What's in charge now is people trying to destroy something, and that's different. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I think that perfectly illustrates the point that you just made there. That he it's not that he's been red pilled. It's that he has not been black pilled. Are we ready to move on, or Aaron, you want to comment on this real quick? No, I think we can move on. All right, let's look at war. Do you agree with Eisenhower's warning about the military-industrial complex? This is like the opposite of the do you speak jive. This like question is so easy, I almost feel like we should take it out. Okay? I mean, this would be... I mean, you want to talk about RFK Jr. going poetic, it would be on this, that question there. What is the impact of sending over $100 billion to Ukraine? How did Trump get little rocket man to stop shooting at us in, in Japan and return remains of Korean war soldiers, but the shooting has resumed under Biden? How would you handle, pardon me, how would you handle North Korea, Iraq, Iran, Russia, Ukraine? How would you respond if one of your generals told our enemies that we, he would inform them beforehand of your planned attack? Yeah. I, your assessments in the middle there, mid-thought, uh, this is almost unfair. Because he has addressed this ad nauseum and at length. He is, I mean, he could not be, he might be the most critical. Is he? He, he actually might be the most He's the most critical, anti-war candidate in the race. Critical of Ukraine, because he, especially. He would be a 1980s of, Democrat. Yeah, of any of, the, of any of the candidates on either side of the aisle, including Donald Trump included. So this one would be uh, a walk in the park. Like, I don't believe him. RFK Jr.'s dropping a Moab on anybody and bragging about it like Trump did. No. Trump's the most anti-war Republican president we've had in our lifetimes. But RFK Jr. would be the most anti-war president to the point that we would now come at him from the right like, there, there are some people we got to drop Moabs on. Right? You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And he'd have been like, no. Yes. Because again, as we just said, he's a man from another time. That time doesn't exist in the American left anymore. And so those people have either become Bernie Sanders burnouts or they've become Republicans, largely in the Trump era. What do you think? He's, he's going to give an answer that... Right, we can think about a lot of different eras on this one. In this era right now, we've got uh, Ukraine uh, fatigue. Th- that momentum is coming in his direction. 
and it happens to dovetail with what he believes himself more broadly. So he'd be a fool to do anything other than talk about uh, the fact that we need to uh, be very clear with the American people about why we put the lives of our sons and daughters uh, in harm's way. Therefore, even if that's not his fundamental motivation for Mm -hmm. being something close to the 80s Democrat peacenik, he can capitalize on what our current right wing, Steve Dace, the hell if my son's going to fight in that war sensibility, Mm -hmm. even if that's not his fundamental motivation, he's a smart guy. He's Mm going to get that figured out and triangulated. All right, before we get to our next topic, crime, law and order, let's talk about our friends over at Relief Factor. You know, everyone deals with pain from time to time. If that's you, and it's chronic, meaning it's that anger, it's that uh, lingering, I should say, achiness, soreness, stiffness that just won't go away, that's usually because there's too much inflammation in your body. So try out the all-natural, drug-free, anti-inflammatory made by physicians who can prescribe drugs. And it's called Relief Factor. They are so confident you will see great relief and great results that they offer the first three weeks of this product to you for, for just about 20 bucks. Why? Because about 70% of the time people see such great results in that short amount of time that they stick around for a long time after that. And so put them to the test. What do you have to lose for 20 bucks? You've tried everything else. Try Relief Factor. Go to relieffactor.com. 20 bucks for the trial pack at relieffactor.com. And... Or you can call them at 804, the number 4 relief, 804 relief, or relieffactor.com. All right, crime and guns. What is causing increased crime in the U.S. cities and how would you address it? Do guns cause crime? What gun control would reduce crime? Which guns would you take? Now, in his last town hall, RFK Jr. did get up and say that while he is for gun control, anybody telling you, that gun control will be the cure for crime in our cities is simply yeah. not telling you the truth. I thought that to be a very interesting distinction to draw there from the left. But thoughts on the question's merits and how he would answer. Well, here's where I'm certain he, like almost every single politician on the left or the right, would fail to give a satisfying answer because crime is a product of broken families Crime is a product of men uh, not being men, and we never talk about that unless it's on shows like this. I'm not exactly sure what he would say. I just would, on this one, I would be prepared to be unimpressed. Right. I mean, how many kids from good homes with, with fathers in the home that are active in their lives go grab dad's gun? and hold up a liquor store right. or carjack somebody. Right. Not saying it never happens, but it would be pretty low in the statistical profile, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and now that you get talking, you know, there's a... He may go the route of talking about, you know, there's just the, the revolving door of charges dropped, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. He'd probably say that we have... The the, uh, the law being blind, justice being blind, uh, he, he used to be uh, spoken about in terms of uh, the poor being disenfranchised. 
but he may, in order to ha- try to have his cake and eat it too. We talk about, I know we're thinking, we think we're helping the poor in this, but having no standards for them whatsoever, the soft bigotry of low expectations isn't doing anybody any good. And our, our inner cities right now, uh, you know, from being basically turning into homeless camps and the businesses that have been there generationally and have tried to help those people can't even stay alive anymore. You know, that's that's a tough needle to thread on that one. It's not a terrible answer, but it still does not fundamentally get to the core of our problems, Which and the only answer is a spiritual answer on this one. Aaron? Yeah, being for uh, supposed gun control, I don't know what that means, and then saying that, and he accurately saying that, you know, people saying getting rid of guns would solve uh, crime in cities. I, I'm not sure if that's really coherent. So it would be probably a, a disappointing answer um i i i don't know what his plans would be it would probably be it would it wouldn't be gun grabbing to the extent that most of the most rabid democrats that you hear today but it would be something along the lines of you know uh universal background checks or red flag laws something something like that which might have the same effect anyway all right next question number seven taxes what percent of the gross domestic product should the government take in taxes? And should spending be more or less than that? Is the purpose of taxes to fund government or enforce social policy? How does your approach to taxes differ from JFK's? Are we spending too much or taxing too little? The, the JFK question, for those of you that don't know, one of the original inspirations for Reagan's tax cuts to yeah. spur the economy actually came from when John F. Kennedy was president. Yeah, I alluded to that earlier. Now, now yeah. Kennedy didn't go as, as comprehensive as Reagan did with de- destroying the top marginal tax rates all the way down. But that was the first time in modern history that we tried to cut taxes to spur economic growth. And so the premise was the same, even if the application was more dramatic in one sense compared to the other. So are the questions fair? Yes or no? How do you think he'd respond? I'm getting used to him by now. I mean, this guy's consistently kind of has an angle. He just doesn't want to give any impression he's beating around the bush with his questions. I dig that. I dig that. You know, I'm not going to give him, uh, if, if I'm Kennedy or anybody, you know, I, I, I'm not going to give you a specific number uh, that, you, you know, you can hold me to arbitrarily later. I'll tell you, it's less than what it is now. And I think uh, the, the balancing act is from era to era, what are our needs and there and are those legitimate needs under the structure of the uh, government as we foresee it in a nation of citizens and uh but we have to be nimble enough to realize that and i'm trying to channel can it needs needs change there will be times when you are taxed more comfortably than you would like to be. There are other times when it's abundantly clear that there is no need for you to be taxed uh, at that level. And he's not, he's not wrong in that uh, sensibility. The default is, though, that government grows. It exists simply, and the teachers' union is a perfect example of that. And not only does it grow to just perpetuate itself, and then it, it's so drunk on that that it, uh, it, it, it's alt- it, it relies on victimhood standards. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. It, it, it is the thing that you should really feel sorry for. So I don't know if, see, like... Do I think JFK is a guy that's going to take on teachers' unions? You know, I no, don't think I, I don't. don't think he's going to be, no. be giving them 
giant warm uh, fuzzies and make sure that what's her face is at every one of his um, pol- political junkets, uh, Randy Weingarten. But I also don't think he's going to be talking like we talk about the teachers' unions. I agree. I think, particularly on this question, you might actually hear more willingness and readiness to talk about cutting government from RFK Jr. than you would from many Republicans, actually. It may not just be the entirety of what we would like to hear on, but we would still love to hear, yeah, um, the government is too big. We need to get rid of the FBI or CIA or vastly slash their funding. We can get rid of the NIH, uh, CDC, uh, FDA. We can get rid of a lot of these agencies in order to shrink the size of government. I think that's maybe an answer that you would get from RFK Jr., Number eight, here comes the rub. Abortion. When and why does a fetus become a person with rights to life, liberty, property, etc.? What role should the federal government have in regulating abortion? As a Catholic, do you support the church's position on abortion? How would your religion influence your decisions? Should the government slash military fund abortions? See, I'm way, way, way more uncomfortable about the answer he would give as a Catholic on this than on an answer he would give as just a generic Democrat on this. He already gave one, and Aaron alluded to it uh, earlier, about uh, post-Roe states dealing with this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think he's, he's already shown that he would give an answer that is capable of not being um, burn your bra hysterical on this, but like as a as a Catholic, there's no way he can answer that head on in a way that satisfies any Catholic. Well, you know, any Orthodox Catholic. I think he probably would not answer this question in its or these questions in their entirety. He would probably give some run of the mill. Um, pro-abort defense from maybe 20 years ago or 10 years ago. I believe it's a woman's right to choose, uh, maybe a virtue signal or play to the emotions a little bit with, um, you know, a story of, you know, not be, it would be very disappointing all the way around. There's no, there's no doubt about that. He might, he might even say, you know, uh, it's up to the States, something along those lines. But I think, I think this would be a fairly non-answer answer from RFK Jr. I agree. Number nine. These questions are defined by Rick, our submitter, as a national crisis. In the event of another emergency like COVID, what would you do? Would you take the California or Florida approach or something in between? What role should NIH play like Fauci? Do you agree? Never let a good crisis go to waste. I think this one he would probably knock out of the park. He would probably say something along the lines of, I would do what I was saying um, back in spring of 2020, which is you essentially you can't shut down an economy and expect it to pick up back up. Uh, you're being deceived by a lot of people. Uh, I would not put the hands of, of the country into, or I would not put the country into the hands of corrupt bureaucrats, uh, you know, masquerading as public health officials like Anthony Fauci. I think he would blow this one to smithereens. I mean, wouldn't he, Todd, just sit there and say, I would do exactly what the most, what most people consider to be the most liberal democracy Sweden. in the Western yeah. world did, That's Sweden. Right. I just, I'd follow them. They're late. That was going to be... And just, and just shower himself and cover himself in, in that ghetto pass, basically. Yes. He'd yeah. be a fool not to do that. There's a proof of concept there. The date... The he is so... 
well informed on this issue. Uh, he knows he knows names. He know you know the, all the things that you can't pronounce within the science. I mean, he, he the the one thing I might actually worry about him is it forgetting which audience he's talking to and getting uh, too wonky or too in the weeds. Sweden's a really good place to start because now you you have very clean graphs uh steve that we were making a case uh in murkier times when you and i were uh, writing the book and, and talking about uh sweden Fauci and bargain you mean Fauci and bargain yeah. there's a graph coming out every other day now that shows sweden is doing better than the entire world the the, the entire western world certainly What I am finding, now we've got three more questions to go in our final segment, but what I am finding so far is that these aren't as difficult to questions for him as many, many of us on the right thought. That's not to say we agree with a lot of the answers that he would give. But I think in many cases, not all, but in many cases, I think based on what we've heard so far, what are the issues we're going to get to later? Regulation, debt, inflation, party loyalty, and free speech. Those are the final four-ish. Three. I said three before it's four left. In many cases, he would give answers that even if we didn't agree to them necessarily, not all, but even in, in, in many cases, if we did not agree, we would not like be immediately offended at the answers. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. I don't agree. You know, I kind of think that maybe he's a little naive here or a little too overbearing right. there, you know, but there wouldn't be like a recoiling. We're not like going for crosses and garlic here. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it's because... He represents a different era. We keep coming back to that. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll come back, finish out looking at RFK Jr. when we do. The Steve Day Show. All right, we're going to get back to analyzing Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as a presidential candidate after I remind you that perhaps the greatest threat to the dollar's global dominance in the past 80 years is coming up on August 22nd. They're called the Durban Accords. Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa are expected to announce a cabal to launch an international super currency that will fully backed by gold, so it actually has integrity. Um, so that they can come at the United States competitively on the global market. And this is part of a long-term plan to supplant the dollar as the cornerstone of the global financial system. Excellent opportunity now to protect yourself just in case. Protect your retirement, your your IRA, your 401k. Protect it from the fallout by diversifying with gold now. Get the free info kit on gold. Decide for yourself if a tax-sheltered retirement account backed by a physical precious metal like gold is right for you. Text the word STEVE to 989-898. That's 989-898. Text STEVE to the the number 989-898. A tectonic shift may be happening right now. Text STEVE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit from Birch Gold. All right. We're going to finish out the questions submitted by Rick Amerson uh, for, or Amerson for RFK Jr. And then in the overtime, I have one question to address that is of a very sensitive nature, but I think important. 
and we will discuss that briefly in the overtime after we're done. All right. Let's talk about regulation. Rick writes, is the country over or under-regulated? Which additional regulations would you impose? Which ones would you retire? What do you think about the recent Supreme Court decisions limiting the power of executive agencies to regulate beyond explicit congressional approval? Fair or foul, how would he answer? Very fair, and he'd be all over the map. I mean, an environmental attorney, I mean, he's going to have all kinds of regulation you're uncomfortable with. Then he's going to turn around and talk about a different topic and bring regulation. You're like, yeah! And I I just don't, it really depends on what issue you're going to talk about. But if you are absolutely hands-off, freewheeling government, you know, that he's Robert F. Kennedy Jr. That's just, this is baked into the cake. When it comes to the industries we care about, we would be very disappointed with this answer, I think. When it comes to the agencies we care about, have been forced excellent to care about. Excellent dichotomy. We would love his answers. That's excellent. Yeah. That's, let's just end it right there. I don't think we can put it any better than you just did right there. That's perfect. All right. Debt money inflation. How well has the Federal Reserve managed inflation with un- and unemployment? What would you change at the Federal Reserve? How much national debt is too much? How would you control government spending? Was eliminating the gold standard a good idea? I'm, I, I think he would probably provide some lip service to um, the elimination of the gold standard. Because Nixon a, did a that. negative thing. Yeah, he had applied that. He said, Nixon did that to us. Yeah. Yeah. I think he would give some lip service to that. Uh, and I think he would. I think he. I, I think he would genuinely, generally give an answer that I think most people would, at least on our side of the aisle. I think most people would agree with. What about the rest of everything else other than the gold standard, Todd? Well, you asked a lot of questions that can very easily get eggheaded in ivory tower, and I think Kennedy is very much going to answer the question he wants to answer on this and he's going to talk about kitchen table issues he's going to be talking about uh prices that on every front have gotten uh, way out of control steve i think he's going to actually get folksy on this kind of like you did a couple weeks back steve you were talking about you and your son noah going to like arby's and it costs like 30 bucks or something like that Mm mm-hmm and I think he, he's just going to want a feel on an answer like this that uh, y- you understand my problems. Because most people who are going to vote, they're not economists. They have economic problems and they want to s- get a feeling that you understand them. He's not going to go like a total Milton Freeman on this answer. He's going to try to be folksy, I think. Okay. Party loyalty. Two more left. You profess to be a staunch Democrat, yet Democrat leadership rejects your candidate candidacy and attempts to censor you. How will you overcome this? Ronald Reagan said the Democratic Party left him before he left them. What would cause you to leave the Democrat Party? How would JFK fit in the modern Democrat Party with his emphasis on issues that are now at times attributed to Republicans? Lower taxes, patriotism, etc. There's only one way he can and should answer this and we're talking about um i'm a damn kennedy and my dad's dead and my uncle's dead and uh we they died fighting for the principles embodied uh by uh the best principles 
embodied by this party. So I, I, I don't take second place to anybody on that front because if he goes down any other road with this in this particular party, um, he why even try? This is this is the answer. Why, as you know, I don't. I, I believe it's impossible. I, I I believe Donald Trump winning this election is like the the equivalencies here are like he's being given a handoff at like the three yard line and i believe kennedy is on his own one yard line and being mm-hmm. given a handoff mm-hmm. and has to score on that play it's impossible for him to win this in this current environment i i don't know about that i I think he would give an answer that would make people like me cringe, but I think he would give an answer that would resonate uh, with whatever is left of Kennedy Democrats or not, not completely bat crap crazy cultists over in the Democrat Party. Something along the lines of, you know what, this, this party doesn't belong to its leadership, it belongs to you, and I am one of you. Some, something along the, that line, uh, along those lines. I think that would be actually teed up perfectly for him you know, intra-party-wise, if he ever got asked that question. The base of this party needs you to hate the other. Full stop. He doesn't want to do that. He refuses to do and that. And he's talked about that. Yeah. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to get anybody to hate me. And I think there's too much of that going on in politics. Final question, free speech and, free speech and censorship. You testified your concern to Congress about your concern about being censored. What about censoring Republican, quote unquote, misinformation like the Hunter Biden laptop? What role should the government play in regulating free speech on social media? Do you agree with recent Supreme Court decisions saying a person cannot be made, cannot be forced to make a cake with a message they find repulsive to their religious beliefs? Well, he gave this answer in front of congress last week that you know that we need make it's his head is make socratic dialogue great again we're better iron sharpens iron we we need to have a robust debate uh, of ideas uh, i don't he's and people from all sides including the right were lifting up his answer on this it was elegant. did he address the cake baking bake the cake bigot stuff too Speci- or? specifically i don't have okay. a memory of that no yeah, I think this one would be pretty, pretty easy. And he's, as Todd said, he's talked about this numerous times, most recently, just a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week. But I think he would uh, say something along the lines of he might even go as far as to say as, you know, we need to actually uh, government doesn't need to be in the business of policing speech. Government needs to be in the business of policing those who wish to police mm-hmm. speech. He would, he would yeah. give that yep. type of an answer. What do you think his answer would be on the bake the cake bigot stuff? I think I think I'd be shocked, quite frankly. I mean, he's yeah. just been consistent enough that if he gave an answer that we were disappointed in, it, it would genuinely surprise me at this point on this. But here's the thing. You guys remember a few years ago, we had a libertarian guy that was running for president or something came on the show and I asked him about this. And he said, absolutely, I don't think you should be forced to bake a cake you know, with a message against your will. If you want to be a homophobic bigot, that's totally your business. Remember he said that? Do you guys remember this? <laughs> I don't. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and right was away. Was that Austin? Uh, what's whatever. His nuts? Yeah, I don't remember his name. Oh. I really didn't. Okay. He's from Missouri, if I remember right. Yeah. And, uh, and my point to him was, if you think, see, I don't believe if you truly think I am a bigot for wanting to live, to not have viewpoints imposed upon me different from my faith. I, 
and that makes me a bigot, I really don't believe you'll defend my rights because eventually the impulse mm-hmm. the other way around will 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 work sure. the other way. Sure. Would he give an answer like that? Would he say something like that to a Democratic audience? Yeah. Say, hey, yeah. I, you think so? Yep. I mean, if people want to be homophobic, that's not my, I I don't agree, but I don't, you know, if they want to display their homophobia, that's on them, but I don't think we should compel compliance to them. Would he give an answer like that? It would not sound like that. You just got done reminding people that he said, yeah, I'm not trying to get people to hate me. He's crossed so many lines uh, so far, having different kinds of debates and dialogues. Now, I think it would be more, I don't think it would have like a caustic bite at the end of it. I don't. Did he put out a statement after the court's ruling on this, like he did on affirmative action? Because I don't remember seeing anything. I can look that up real quick. Yeah, look that up really quick. And while you're doing that, we've got about seven minutes. Let's have a conversation first on the merits of this exercise now that it's over. And then lessons we learned from it. Takeaways. Todd, I'll let you go while Aaron looks that up. Well... I was convinced the merits of the exercise uh, were noble and would be edifying. He was, I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin. I went to the University of Wisconsin. So you knew a lot of people like RFK Jr. Yeah, a yeah. lot of people. And a lot of them to this day are the, you know, my, my, many of my childhood friends uh, grew up in we don't spend as much time together now but when we were just starting to have our families and then we were going back uh, and I was going back uh, to Madison more and we would get together for barbecues in the summer or something like that you know they're they're, they're mostly Democrats uh, but we we did not so, some arguments got uh, pretty hot and bothered but we were not at like existential right Right. Guns, right? You right. know, we didn't. They, you're around because no one believed that the other side was trying to destroy the country. And yeah. you would have disabused. I, I want. I want what he wants. I want to be involved in very important conversations that aren't fundamentally about hate. I've gotten the impression that he's real on that front. Steve, having actually broken bread with him in person. Would have disabused not only myself, but all of you by now. This is not like some desperation, Hail Mary, he really wink, wink, because that's all very Steve Day says. No, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm yes. confident he is a, severe, a sincere individual. A sincere individual. Yeah. My, that alone, as a plumb line, left, right, wherever, citizen, politician, government bureaucrat, there is so little sincerity of heart in any of this when you find it it's quite refreshing and when you find it in a guy who knows as well as any family about the cost in blood and bullets if you fall out of line a push over the wrong apple cart he's still willing to say i'm happy to be a part of that legacy, and maybe his winking and out is uh, Uncle Teddy, notwithstanding. But listen, I, I, I'm, I'm glad for what he's doing for all of us, and it, it would be a victory if he could set the Democrat Party back to 1985. And I don't need to know who wins the Republican nomination within that equation. So I've said this 
I've said this on numerous occasions about a, a separate issue, and that issue is, is Vladimir Putin and the Ukraine conflict. And basically this is a, a proxy war, or at least one side of it is a proxy war for World Economic Forum, globalist American empire, as some have, have, have used the term, a proxy war going on. And what's happening is, I believe that the West, full of nihilists and globalists, see a fly in the ointment on the world stage that there is one superpower left beyond China, which is the model anyway. There is one superpower left in Russia that is led by somebody who believes something aspirational about his country. Mm -hmm. Now, I believe he's a murderous, thuggish dictator, a terrible human being, would not want to live in his country, I don't think. But they saw that aspiration... And that doesn't fit in with their goals. And that's really what I truly believe is, is happening here, at least on some level. What makes this difficult for me with RFK Jr., and I'm not comparing him to Vladimir Putin, I'm just saying this is in the same context. He is surrounded in that party by nihilists, by cultists. And yet here he is, he believes in something that is objectively aspirational about our country. He believes that we can be aspirational as a country. When he's surrounded by people who say, no, this country is bad. The skin you were born into is wrong. The chromosomes you, bore, you were born into are wrong. You are wrong, just by your very nature. What makes him so difficult is, while he shares some of the mustard seeds of what that party has become in policy and elsewhere, he is not gone full and fully given himself over to that. He's not allowed himself to be fully given over. And so I'm looking at this and he's like a fly in the ointment over there. And it's difficult for me sometimes to assess him because, you know, I, I, I want that aspiration while at the same time I know he is, while he's not fully given himself over to the darkness, there is still parts of his, there are still parts of his worldview that I just cannot abide. Here is my big takeaway from this exercise. I started it saying I really only had two candidates I was considering, and if you forced me to come up with a third, I'd pick him because I think he's the only other chance at disruption in the race. This exercise has actually confirmed for me that he would be my third. Because I I am simply not going to let Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, or anybody else get away with giving me a cookie-cutter answer on abortion that they have, have no record of actually ever acting on or doing a damn thing about. And I say this as someone that has fought and organized on the life issue all over this country. Like if Susan B. Anthony wants to come at Trump and Ron DeSantis, I'll listen to that. But I am not going to listen to other GOP candidates who offer me nothing on really anything else. And because they are willing to give the cookie cutter answer on abortion that RFK Jr. is not. I, and I'm just supposed to accept that on its merits without any record of them actually doing anything with that cookie cutter issue. I, after, if you guys are right, I think I'd have a more productive conversation with him on all of these issues than all the other people I just mentioned. I mean, I think that's a more sane country, frankly. would at frankly. least have a genuine conversation. Yeah, I think it's a more sane country. I think, I think I'd like his answers even more than I'd like a lot from what I'd get from most other Republicans. That's not to say that I would objectively like his answers. 
But if you're being asked, if I'm, if I'm being asked to compare him to most of the other lot of Republicans, I'd per, I would prefer Democrat. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'd prefer Democrats in 1985 to Republicans by and large in 2023. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. All right, we're going to stick around. But there's a there's a fly in the ointment here with RFK Jr. we need to address in the overtime. John 317.